0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Resorts, homes and a newly built hospital have
2: been washed away.
3: No electricity, nothing whatsoever.
2: We need to be prepared for the future.
3: I'm just holding on for dear life here. This isn't fun. Pacific prepared.
4: Pacific prepared.
5: Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse
4: what happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it
5: and make sure everyone's safety comes first Save what for dream you must ready
4: clearing roads restoring critical infrastructure
5: eventually i know it's gonna hit it's only a matter of time
6: helping your community
5: helping your family
0: helping you pacific prepared
5: pacific prepared pacific prepared
1: Hello and welcome to Pacific Prepared, I'm Fred Hooper. First of all, a huge thank you to all the media in Fiji for helping Pacific Prepared go to air over the past few weeks, and particularly to the Fijian Broadcasting Corporation for hosting us in their offices and studios. We've got a great team of reporters who are on the ground chatting to you, and the stories we bring you could help you, your family and your community prepare for natural disasters. The weather and how it affects you is already part of your life, so let's keep talking about being prepared. On today's show, what do young people think about natural disasters? We'll visit one remote Fijian village to find out more.
3: Boom!
1: A tree or is that the cyclone? Uh, the
3: the house and the broken trees. Uh, oh, and cool. the cloud is going <laughs> to...
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll also hear how some students in that village are struggling to actually get to school due to rising sea levels. Also, we'll revisit a story from Solomon Islands around disaster messages and how the community are being educated about the messaging system. And Staying With Messages, a Fijian villager explains how their community has embraced the disaster messaging system. That's all coming up. This is Pacific Prepared. What's your plan?
5: Are you ready to leave your home? Plan now before disaster strikes. Pacific Prepared.
1: If you went looking for an image of a typical tropical island, you'd probably come across the Asawa Islands in Fiji. They're off the northwest coast, a long, narrow chain of islands. And for the people who live there, they would be considered some of the most vulnerable communities in the world when it comes to natural disasters and climate change. Right up the top of the chain of islands is a small village called Nabukeru. And then a 10-minute walk from there, along the beach, there's a school which has to have one of the most spectacular outlooks of any school in the world. There's palm trees, then there's the beach, the ocean, and in the distance, you can see mountains. But some of the students aren't able to walk to school anymore. The road that they would walk along has been washed away by the ocean, and now they catch a boat every morning.
3: My name is Kalo. My name is Vasito. My name is Sakya Asimodeaba. My name is Merwales Andy. My name is Sama I am Simeon Randike. My name is Jim Samson. My name is Selastoke. My name is Serena Nairabu. Uh, we have experienced it uh, for 12 years ago. And... Um, and and before cars using to travel from Tamsua to Nambuker using a good good road, but but for now using the track be because of this climate change, it has washed out worse of road. Some effect for climate change, so erosion and damage the reef and affect marine life. Okay.
1: So who catches the boat to school every day here? Four people. Wow
3: you walk to school. Uh, sometimes we come by boat yeah. for the for the boat of the village and travel to school. Yeah. Uh, vegetation <laughs> along the way ha- have been washed away. Reef had been destroyed. Effect uh, before we can we can see some seashells uh, on the rock, but now. There is no shell because of this change. Thank you. How do you, how do you know there is, a, there is a limited marine life? Before we need to fishing along, along in the shore. But now we to in the outer reef, in the ocean, open the ocean.
1: This is the head teacher at the Ratu Namasi Memorial School and he's seeing a slow decline in numbers to the school in recent years.
7: My name is Yosef uh, Honikini. I'm the school head of Ratanamasi Memorial School. I'm about 47, 49 years old. How many students have you got at the school here? I've got uh, 31 students. And uh, classes from 1 to
1: class, year 8. Yeah. And this might sound like a strange question to some people, but how did most of the students arrive at school today?
7: The, there are two villages that uh, occupies that uh, come to school. Uh, one used to travel on foot, yep. and the other has to travel by a boat. Or otherwise, they travel by a track, uh, coming along from their village to the school.
1: And there was at one stage a road between here and the next village, right where the boat now travels. Yeah. Is that correct, yeah?
7: There was, uh, yes, there was a road that comes from that goes from the school to the, to the village, Tamsu village. That yeah. was in the last uh, 10 years. But uh, right now, all the roads have been washed away and they're just walking on a track, which goes up the hill, down to the coast, right to the village.
1: That's or catching the boat either way. Yeah. The boat in the morning, yeah. Is that, that that? seems like it would add a lot of cost as well to getting to school.
7: Yeah, it's, it's a lot of cost. Right, like uh, traveling from every morning from school and back, mm. and uh, likewise when they travel, like when they like when they walk, eh? it's cost them a lot due to the rocky how the, the location of the road and how rough the road is. Eh? Mm-hmm. The rocks sometimes they are injured, but due to trying to come to school every day, they used to go through those challenges coming from through to um.
1: how do you incorporate some of that you know into your learnings here at the school I mean it's obviously linked to to climate change and the world environment changing do you do you incorporate some of that into your learnings here in the school too the fact that this is right on our doorstep it's changed yeah yeah Actually,
7: it's in the syllables, the school the school syllables that we have to learn climate change. Yeah. Like uh, it's uh, from it's 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 there in their curriculum, in the syllables of the school, eh? mm-hmm. and like year seven and eight, yeah, there is one topic for them that's to learn how climate change have been affected, uh, affecting their yeah. their lives, and sometimes usually talk about. Uh, like the effects of that uh, climate change to their lives, uh, to the, uh, in the school, coming to school and going back. We're trying to tell them this is the effect of uh, climate change. It has affected the school also, like the sea source has been coming along. So that's why we've been trying to tell them we have to plant trees along the coast. Rather than cutting trees, we should plant trees so that it can hold the soil and try to minimise the effects of uh, climate change.
1: Do you think that that could affect the school numbers even more greatly one day when really travel by boat probably won't be affordable as well?
7: Before the school roll was used to come along to 60s, 70s. Yeah, in, the last, in the recent uh, past few years, it has come down. Last year we had 28 now we have that one, mm-hmm. and most of the parents in the two communities have taken their children
1: to the to towns. Oh. So on the mainland, you mean? Yeah. 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 yeah.
7: Okay.
1: So Due to this the traveling, yeah. So they have moved the whole family there because of because, because of that. Yeah. Some some of them. Yeah?
7: Yes. Yeah. They, have, they have moved to the. To the, to the towns to take that job. Uh, that's why we have experienced that the role is going down in the school.
1: Mm. Does that worry you at all, that the numbers are declining? I mean, yeah. obviously in the school, but also the towns too, means that there's less people around, so yeah, right. you take a family, it might be five or six people, correct? Mm. Yeah.
7: yeah, Yeah. it's yes, we, as a fact, Likewise, in the school, uh, like uh, it... Uh, decrease the number of grants that the government gives to the school. Yeah, yeah but uh, it also cost them a lot traveling to Lotoka. Yeah, we can experience that by every weekend. Where we have to send uh, the communities... Asking about the communities, how are they coping with their relatives that are going to the towns, eh? They Because sometimes have to travel, provide food for them, sending fish to them and, like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's
1: it's a huge change in what, you know, what you've been doing here. (laughs) Yeah, it's
7: a huge change to the, to what has been going on for years. Like when there was a road, accessing the, access to roads and every.
1: They lose their breathing uh, mm. and
7: it disaffected them.
1: Have you had experience with storms? Have you been in a storm before? Or?
3: Yes, the landslide and the, the damage of the coral reef.
1: Are there things that you do though that your parents want you to do if there's a cyclone?
3: Helping each other, yeah. damage our house.
1: What does it sound like? Yeah. Like,
3: yeah. yeah, yeah. we put the sticks in to protect the house.
1: So, you do that, do you? Yeah.
3: yeah okay. Okay. We prepared uh, the food and all the things.
1: What sort of food do you prepare?
3: Uh, cassava and eggplant.
1: Yeah. What's it like? What was it like for you being in a cyclone?
3: Scared. Scared, yeah. yeah. Uh, strong wind, rain, falling off trees. Right.
1: So you can? Does it make a sound or?
3: Yes, make a
1: sound. What sort of sound does it make?
2: What's the
1: sound? tree or is that the cyclone? Uh, the
3: house and the broken trees, oh, and the cloud is gonna. Boom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It was a terrifying night. It was shaking and getting pounded by debris.
7: We had to make sure they have a safe shelter
1: and
4: drinking water.
0: Helping you stay safe, Pacific prepared.
1: Having things ready to go in case there's a disaster could be helpful for you and your family. And as basic as it might sound, having a first aid kit as part of your go bag could also be very important.
3: Helping you stay safe.
1: Specific prepared.
6: When disaster strikes, you may have to evacuate quickly and be away from your home for some time. So, disaster authorities recommend making a kit with some essential items you will need if you have to flee your home. These are commonly known as go bags. Your gold bag should be brightly colored and easy to carry. Something like a large sports bag or backpack. Some gold bags have a lot of items and can be quite expensive. Some cost almost nothing. Each episode, we will bring another item for your go bag and you can decide if it is right for you and how you can make it work. First aid kits can save lives in a disaster. They can be costly, but everyone should have one nearby in an emergency. Read and follow all instructions where possible. Make sure you keep your first aid kit away from contaminated water and other hazards. Make sure you use hand sanitizer or soap before opening your first aid kit. Try to get first aid kit for your go bag. Listen in next time for another item that will help make you ready to go. This information has been drawn from various sources, including the Red Cross, the United Nations, and government agencies. Be informed, be prepared, Pacific prepared.
1: Some tips on making your go bag just a little bit better in case there's an emergency near your home or village. Don't forget, if you want to get in touch, the easiest way is to search for Pacific Prepared and then hit the Contact Us button on the website.
5: Save what for dream. You must ready. Pacific Prepared.
1: Earlier in the year, we heard a story from our reporter and producer, Jenny Kakia, who's based in Solomon Islands. Communication around disaster messages had been identified as an issue in Solomon Islands, so a number of people and organisations came up with a possible solution this is oxfam's media officer ernest arsi
4: in my line of work in the communication when we're trying to give out messages um, um even if you're trying to reach out to the rural provinces but there's always this um uh you know era we are in where the flow of information is very massive contents coming out every second you know you we, you have to really try to put a lot of effort or how will um people want to see this our traditional way of documenting our fieldwork is normally short interviews, you no know, B-rolls, and that's like the norm of how we do our um, documentation of the of films. Uh, now, this um, Oyibola film for us in the Pacific, the film is the first of its kind for us here, and um, we've been had, having great feedbacks on the way this film was presented and created. So, I believe yes, using a story telling format, it would be more effective.
1: At this stage, after a community meeting, one of the young men in the group is given a horn made from a shell. He walks out into what looks like the middle of a township and starts sounding the alarm.
4: So this film is is a um, is a uh, story about two young siblings um, in Ebola who have who uh, you know are caught in the middle of a disaster um, evacuation. So when a cyclone hit Ebola and the community, how did how they responded to that? Cyclone. That's the um, film. The plot we took on with this film. So it tells the story of, um, of of the community participation, the priorities, what happens when something goes wrong, and how do they respond to it?
1: A little further into the film, and people have started gathering in a community space, like a large hall. This is where one of the main characters realizes that someone's missing. They're so they're instructed to head off and find them. By the way, they find Peter. He's injured, but he's okay.
0: While Solomon Islanders are used to natural hazards, Being prepared for it is another issue altogether. Tony Wale works as an Assistant Provincial Disaster Officer in Aoki, Malaita Province. His work brings him to many of the rural communities on Malaita. So
8: when it comes to the understanding of the natural hazards, I think most people in the village uh, are aware of what natural hazards are. Some of them have even shared their experiences in the past, some of the natural hazards that they've come across throughout the course of their lives. So it, it appears that the people in the community are aware of what natural hazards are. However, when uh, asked about the community preparedness, The challenge seems obvious here, like the idea to uh, collectively set out and document a set of response actions or plans for the communities was quite challenging, uh, as it seems uh, new to some villages, especially. It takes time and patience to work with uh, the community to compile these documents for them.
0: Tony agrees that using disaster preparedness awareness materials in the form of video works really well for rural communities. So such videos,
8: uh, use of videos will really help the community, especially at rural level, to clearly understand what message we are trying to put across during this training or what we are trying to say. So it really helps the community to understand when we use these methods and then they start to develop their own actions or disaster preparedness steps suitable to the context
0: the oebola community in the langalanga district of malaita which was featured in this film has been a part of oxfam's disaster ready program since 2018 it was one of the many communities in solomon islands who have established a village committee as part of its preparedness plans for disaster The committee is responsible for the implementation of early warning systems in the village to ensure people get to safety before a disaster strikes. In this film, titled Cyclone Season, it depicts how the community responds to heavy rain warnings and cyclone warnings as announced by the local radio. It also shows how the committee worked together to ensure people in the village were kept up to date with the different levels of alert warnings by showing different color flags to indicate the severity of such warnings. Ricky Pana works as Oxfam's project officer and oversees work mainly in disaster relief. He explains the core purpose of this cyclone season film.
2: At the community community level, we conduct training and workshops and then we improve community by supporting the early warning messages from Solomon Islands Met service. All these are captured in the CBDR process. The training and the workshops were conducted a couple of months before the actual filming took place. So, coming back to the film, the main picture we try to portray here is a sort of five-minute illustration or demonstration on how families can be ready to respond to a natural disaster. The film starts off with a sequence of the early warning messages that the Met Service will disseminate to SIBC and other media outlets in the country.
0: Oxfam is optimistic that the video materials will help other communities in their preparedness plans as it needs the whole community to make it work.
2: The level of literacy is there, so it's okay. We can use that film. We can roll out the programme to other communities. We can use that film too instead of a formal presentation for learning and workshop purposes. That's the good thing about the film.
0: Oxfam's Disaster Ready programme works in 15 communities across three provinces in Solomon Islands, mainly Malaita, Temotu and Guadalcanal. The Disaster Ready Program is an AHP, Australian Humanitarian Partnership Initiative, funded by the Australian Government and delivered by development partners across the Pacific.
1: Oxfam's media officer, Ernest Ta'asi, speaking with the producer and reporter of this program, Gina Kakia.
5: Being prepared is to save lives, to save properties, helping you stay safe.
4: What happens when something goes wrong and how do they respond to it?
5: Plan this time before disaster strike. Every natural disaster gets worse. Pacific Prepared.
4: Pacific Prepared.
5: Pacific Prepared.
1: Disaster messaging is something that all Pacific countries manage and have done for a very long time now. Fiji is no different and one village member I spoke with recently said that she feels like communities are well prepared when it comes to the messages and how they receive them.
5: I'm Kitty and I'm from Super Bowl Village.
1: What are your kind of thoughts on disaster preparedness? Like what do you know what to do if something happens or how do you, and how do you get that information for, for you?
5: Um, so we have... Um... In the community, we have the village headman, the Turanganikwara. So if there is a disaster, he's the one who um, sends out the message to all the community members. And um, we have the places where we assemble at, And then um, we, then he relays the protocols of what needs to be done.
1: So how does that message actually get to the community? Like, does somebody come around to you and, and just talk to you? Is there some sort of, like, text message that comes out or...?
5: So, uh, yes, normally, because now we have uh, accessibility to phones. Uh, we have sort of our reps in our corners of the village, yeah. in our com- smaller communities, and then um, he relays the message to them and then they relay the message to to their neighbours.
1: Right. So he just comes around and says, hey, this is happening now, exactly. this is what you need to do?
5: Exactly, yeah. that's how it...
1: Happens. And are people kind of, are they accepting of that? Are they kind of, do they accept that there's... That the warning is official and something is actually going to happen, or do they think, Oh, well, I don't need to worry about that today, you know, like this is only a bit of wind or whatever?
5: I think in the past that uh, it used to happen that way, but yeah. now with the uh, disasters becoming more happening more frequently, uh, people really take it seriously, and so when uh, a warning comes like that people start to make move and try follow instructions and do whatever needs to be done.
1: And, and you as well, Kitty, are you kind of like when, when something happens or there's a warning out, do you kind of go around to your friends and family and you kind of telling them, look, this is happening, we need to do something? Or
5: Yes, we do. We use the phone a lot. We call our families and uh, yeah, we try and uh, yeah, inform our neighbours and whoever we can, can't get, we reach them through phone. That's what basically happens.
1: And how do you feel, sort of, just generally speaking? And it's a it's a broad question, but living in Fiji, it's a, it's a pretty vulnerable place to natural disasters. How do you feel about living in a place that is so vulnerable and and being in this country?
5: Uh, I think the great thing is that uh, NDMO, NDMO and other organisations, uh, uh, NGOs, they've done a lot of work around disaster preparedness, and so I think it's really come down to grassroots level and. People at grassroots level uh, pretty much um, have ideas of how to mitigate all these risks and everything. Yeah. And um, yeah, there's plenty of knowledge going around, plenty of training, yeah. and so people are more aware and more alert and more ready when disaster happens.
1: And do you feel safe, just generally speaking? I do.
5: Yeah, yeah I do. Because um, it's not only me, it's everybody, everyone in the villages and everyone in our family. Um, we all talk the same language when it comes to disaster and because of the awareness that's happened so much over the years through the government and the other um, organisations we feel much safer more ready as well.
1: And just practically, what sort of things, do you do things to your homes if you know there's something happening, do you, are there things that you go to do first, like for example like taping the windows up or I mean boarding the windows up, are there things like that that you do to your homes if something is happening?
5: So we always have the youth uh, the youths in our villages, and when that happens, the village headman calls all the youths, and they gather, and then they go to, they start with the, the homes where they're most vulnerable. There's no men in the home, single moms, the older ones, and they come and help us around, and they come to our homes and ask us if there's anything they need to help in putting up windows, all these things, putting up all the latches and everything, uh, shutters and everything, and, uh, yeah, it People are pretty much
1: getting used to disaster. It sounds like it's a a bit of a routine now for you guys. Exactly. Village member Kitty explaining how disaster messaging works for her local community. Pacific Prepared is supported by the Pacific Media Assistance Scheme with funding from the Australian Government's Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade. Any views expressed do not necessarily represent those of PACMAS or the Australian Government. It's produced and distributed in partnership with Radio Australia and networks across the Pacific, including Radio New Zealand Pacific, NBC Papua New Guinea, Palau Wave Radio, Capital FM 107 Vanuatu, Samoa National Radio 2AP, TBC Tonga. And once again, a shout-out and thank you to FBC Fiji for having the program in their office and their studios for the past few weeks now. And of course, to reporter Josiah Nanunga, for his incredible assistance along the way. My name's Fred Hooper. Please share any information that you've learned today and stay safe. This has been Pacific Prepared.